Welcome to the Vineyard Cincinnati podcast. We hope you enjoy this message from one of our weekend services. To subscribe to our podcast or listen to other messages, go to vineyardcincinnati.com slash podcast. Good morning, Vineyard family. How y'all doing? Good to see you guys. All right, real quick before I jump into the talk, dudes, raise your hand. All dudes, every dude, raise your hand, dude. Men, 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 men. Come join us next Saturday night. Wives, significant others, send them to come. It'll be a great connection with other guys. Talk about Jesus and break stuff, shoot people, and drive cars real fast. All right, come join us. We're going to actually put clay and Raul's faces on the axe-throwing spots. Like you can just, no, just kidding. So please, come join. We want to get to know you and connect. So, well, it was a few years ago. I was at my previous church, North Star, and there's a guy there that's a really good friend of mine. He used to be here named Rusty Gebert. He's one of the elders over there. And at the end of the service, a couple comes up to him and says, would you pray for us? We're being moved to Pennsylvania with our jobs. God's calling us there. And we're just sad we're leaving, but would you pray for us as we go? And Rusty began to pray for them, and he got what we, would, what we call around here a word. And a word means, again, it doesn't, we don't hear an audible voice necessarily from God. Some people do, I guess. But a thought dropped into his mind, checking to see if it coincides with Scripture. We do no direction, no correction, no dates, no mates, nothing like that. Listen. That's what we're going to do on May 14th. Listen on behalf and then share a word. He got a picture for the couple of the couple sitting in their new house. He didn't know if it was figurative or literal, but sitting in their new house in Pennsylvania and a storm was coming at, this ha- at their house, and he said, you're to trust God, sit, trust God, and the storm is going to split around your house as you watch in safety. All right, praise for the ghost. Three weeks later, November 4th, I wrote it down, 2019. I wake up at 5 a.m. in the morning, and I love to sleep. And when I wake up early like that, and, I, and I, I, it's either I, I, I'm being led by the Lord to pray for somebody or I've got gas. So I'm trying to figure out which one it is. It happens, right? And so I'm sitting there going, I think this is prayer. I think this is prayer. So I'm, all right, Lord, who do you want me to pray for? And, and Rusty, that elder, is laid on my heart and my mind. I start praying, right, what do you want for Rusty? Again, I know, no audible voices, just thoughts. What do you want to pray for? What do you want me to pray for for Rusty? I just heard pray for his family. Pray for his finances. He was in a, he, he, he raised his support for this ministry he does. And so I just felt led to pray for his finances. Lord, would you provide for him financially? Well, I can't sleep anymore. I get up. It's 6 a.m. now. I get my coffee. Sit down on my computer. And the first email in my inbox is from the wife of the couple that Rusty had prayed for that moved to Pennsylvania just three weeks earlier. And she says, Matt, could you please forward this email on to Rusty. He prayed for us three weeks ago, right before we moved to Pennsylvania, and he prayed this word about a storm coming down our street, splitting around us, versus to watch God in safety. Would you tell him, two nights ago, a tornado dropped down on our street, headed right at our house. We had no time to get out. It was a quick, spontaneous tornado. We got underneath the tables and prayed, and the tornado literally split around our house. All the trees on both sides of the house are knocked down. Not even a shingle was knocked off of our house. Well, I, 
I respond instantaneously to that, to that email saying, O-M-G-G-G-G-G-G. Incredible. That's amazing. I will pass it on. But while we're at it, I was just praying for Rusty an hour ago, and I felt led by the Lord to pray for his finances. He didn't pray for you guys to make money, but if you think about it, you pray about it, would you consider supporting his ministry? The husband responds back instantaneously. He says, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. Just yesterday, I felt like the Lord told us to set aside $10,000 for something he wanted to do. I think this is it. Well, so I call Rusty. It's not even 7 o'clock yet, and he's already been fasting and praying and washing Bill's feet by this time, like he's Mr. Spiritual. He picks up right away. He's like, hey, buddy. You know, Rusty's one of the kindest people ever. I'm like, Rusty, let me tell you this story. You prayed for a couple. I woke up at 5 a.m. praying for you, for your finances. They had the tornado, and they want to give you $10,000. Just like Rusty, he's like, well, isn't that cool? I'm like, you think? He's like, just yesterday, I had $800 in support drop off. With this $10,000, I get the $800 back plus an additional $30 a month, $33 a month. Isn't Jesus cool? I'm like, that's all you got to say. Isn't Jesus cool? He was so expectant and so ready. Now, now what is that story? That's, that's a 360-degree Jesus encounter. It's Every one of us encountering Jesus in different ways. Rusty encountering Jesus to hear the word and share the word on that Sunday morning. That couple encountering Jesus by listening to the word and waiting on it. I'm encountering Jesus by waking up at five in the morning and responding to that nudging. The couple sending me emails. The, the whole thing is a Jesus encounter. And it's an amazing story. But here's the problem with the story. As great as that story is, the problem with the story is that's not the norm, right? Like, that doesn't happen every day. And a lot of us hear stories like that, and we think, well, why didn't that happen to me? And, and, and here's the problem with us pastors and we communicators. We tell stories like these because they're our best stories. And we share them with you. We sound really cool and really amazing. But in 55 years of life, I might have 20 of those stories. And they, I remember being a kid sitting in a church like you thinking, well, gosh, why don't those stories happen to me? I guess he or she is so much more spiritual than me. But here's the deal. Here's the deal. Those stories can happen to everybody in this room because it's a priesthood of all believers. But secondly, they're still not the norm. The normal stories are the everyday, small, which are big, encounters with Jesus. Here's the truth of the gospel. The promise of the good news of Jesus, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus, is that we get to encounter the person, the power, and the presence of Jesus on a daily basis. Every one of us. The, the gospel is, or, or those kind of stories, those kind of encounters are not for special people. We are all ordinary people that get to experience and encounter Jesus every day in extraordinary ways that look actually quite small. Like it could be a, a prompt to text a friend. You could be driving along and you get a prompt. Like, I need to call a friend or text him and say, I, I'm, I've been thinking about you or praying for you. It could be a prompt to, to, to give them a, a piece of scripture. We, we get to encounter Jesus on a daily basis as we get in his word, the living word. We 
meet Jesus and hear him speak to us on a moment by moment as we read the word. We, we get to encounter Jesus as we serve others in the name of Jesus. Just last week, I had the privilege of serving back in BK Kids. If you're not serving back there, I don't care how old or how young you are, it is such a privilege. And I'm there to serve, and I encountered Jesus working with seven, eight, nine, and ten-year-olds. Tyler was up playing guitar, your worship pastor. He was serving back there too. And he's up playing guitar, and, and, and he says to all the kids, he goes, hey, what, what is Moses known for? And he was trying to get them to talk about the burning bush story. He says, what is Moses known for? And every hand goes, oh, 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 oh. He goes, yeah. He goes, uh, the part in the Red Sea? And Tyler's like, yeah, that's a good one too. Okay, yeah, one thing about that one. Okay, what else is he known for? Leading the Israelites out of slavery? Yeah, that's a good one too. Okay, one thing about that one. And they, they list like four other things. And finally Tyler goes, the burning bush. <laughs> and I'm sitting there and the, the Holy Spirit just gave me a thought. My children know me. Come to me like a child. And, and I, just, I just had a moment. I'm getting all verklempt back in the room. This is so sweet. Back with these kids. We, we get to hear encounters of Jesus through being convicted of what we should do or what we shouldn't do. Every day when the Holy Spirit's in you, you know things you shouldn't do and you know things you should do. Someone you should love on, someone you should care for, things you, that are unwise to do. I was driving down the highway. I'm driving down and, and I'm just kind of got worship music on. I'm just kind of praising the Lord. And, and all of a sudden this guy just cuts me off. And I'm like, you know what? I'm a Christian. I'm just going to drive around him and, be, and I just get, give a very kind, hey, what's up? And he gives me the international year number one symbol. And it wasn't a happy one. I was like, and all of a sudden I'm like, what? And I'm about to do something. And the Holy Spirit just reminds me, you're a pastor. <laughs> and you have a love well, do good, give it all away sticker on your car. <laughs> Get in trouble. I should put a crossroad sticker on my car. It, he, here's the deal. I love Brian Tell me, you know, you're good friends. Here's the deal. We all get to encounter Jesus. It is not for the professionals. We believe in the priesthood of all believers. How do we all get to encounter Jesus on a daily basis? The person, the power, and presence of Jesus. That's what we're going to talk about today. We've been in this season of Jesus stories since the beginning of the year. And this is the second to last week of our Jesus stories. Beth is going to wrap it up on Mother's Day next week and come. Bring your moms. Moms, bring your families. But, but today is our second to last story, and, and the story we're going to look at today is going to teach us how to encounter Jesus on a moment-by-moment -moment basis, and it's what we would call part five of the gospel, or a major part of the good news of Jesus. Just for you to know, there are five primary parts, some say six, some say four, whatever, but five big movements in the good news of Jesus. Many of us just get one or two. But the five parts of this, number one, creation, number two, incarnation, number three, crucifixion, four, resurrection, and then ascension, or Pentecost. The, the, the creation, the idea that God's the creator, we're the creator, we, we read in Genesis 1 and 2, that, that we were created by him, we were designed by him, made for purpose in his image to be and bring his kingdom. But then Genesis 3, we fell. We sin. And the reason why that's not part of the good news is because it's bad news. All of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So the rest of the Old Testament is a story reminding us that we cannot save ourselves. We need a deliverer. 
We cannot do it on our own. We've all fallen and we can't get up. So God sends his son, incarnation, God in a bod, God in the flesh, who dwelt among us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And he lived to show us what real perfection looks like and what real love looks like. But then there had to be a sacrifice for our sin. So he was crucified on a cross. A perfect man lived a perfect life that never sinned. And he died for all of us, crucified. And then three days later, he rose from the grave to prove to us that he has power to conquer death and conquer our sin, to show us in the flesh, I'm alive. Best news ever. Now, most of us stop at the gospel there. But this next part of the gospel is huge. The, the, the others have like hallmark cards. You got a hallmark for incarnation, crucifixion, and resurrection. But there are no hallmark cards for this event. And it is crucial. The ascension connected to the Pentecost is, is the fuel that makes the engine go. It'd be like if we invented an amazing jet engine but had no fuel. Or it'd be like we, we invented an amazing bomb but had no detonator. This ascension, Pentecost, is the detonator that makes the bomb blow. It's like having an amazing Rossi fireworks, but having no fuse. Ascension is crucial to us being empowered and equipped to live the gospel. So that's what we're going to talk about today, so that every one of us can experience and encounter Jesus on a daily basis. You ready to strap on? Let's go. Turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 1. This is the second book that Luke writes. And Luke was not one of the 12 disciples. Luke was a friend of one of the disciples and got led to Christ by, we think, Peter or somebody. And he writes the first letter. So, so he writes his second letter called Acts. But the first letter Luke writes is called what? Yeah, if you said Mark, I was going to be like, what's the problem? It's Luke. Right? Luke writes Luke. And, 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 and he writes his second one to, as a continuation of the first. Here's what he says. In the first book, O Theophilus, now Theophilus is just a guy that none of us know about, but a, a seeker, a guy who didn't know Jesus, and he's giving him evidence of the person of Jesus, trying to lead him into a relationship with Jesus. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach. Implication, my first letter is all the, his life, how he was born, how he lived, he died, and rose again. And now I'm going to show you a letter about what he continues to do through his people. So what he began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up, that's the ascension, after he'd given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. And he goes on to say, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Now, what's kind of fascinating about this, a lot of us think that after Jesus rose from the dead, he just kind of pieced out like two to three days later. But here's what it says. He hung around for 40 more days. 40 more days getting his early church right, showing him, look, I rose, showing him the proofs that he's risen, letting them touch him, letting them see him, teaching them about the kingdom of God. And, and 40 days he's doing this, getting them ready and prepared 40 in the Bible is kind of a preparation period. Jesus went into the desert to be tempted for 40 days. Noah was in the ark for 40 days. The Israelites wandered in the desert for 40 years. So it's, it's, it's a preparation type thing, all right? Here's what he goes on to say. And while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. That's the promise, the promise of the Holy Spirit that he referred to back in John 14, 15, 16, other places. 
promise of the Father, which Jesus said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So he's saying, look, I'm about to go. I'm about to finally leave. I want you to wait here. Wait for the promised Holy Spirit. Like, this is the engine, this is the fuel that makes everything go. The Holy Spirit is the third part of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. This beautiful theological, mysterious thing that God is one, per, one God and three persons. And the Spirit is one that lives in us, giving us ability to act and do as he's called us to act and do. It's, it's he, she, we're not even sure, is a big deal. Holy Spirit's the big deal. And here's what he says is really interesting. Just as John baptized you guys with water. Now, John the Baptist was the guy that wore locust or wore, wore camel's hair and ate locusts and ate honey and preached about the coming of Jesus in the desert. He was the forerunner. He said, just as John baptized you with water to get you ready for the repentance of your sins, you're going to be baptized in the Spirit. Implication of this. John was a stud. John did amazing things, but he only could take it so far. You're going to take it further. You're going to get the Holy Spirit, implication, and you're going to then baptize others with the Holy Spirit. You're going to do greater than John. Now you think, greater than John? Let me tell you what Jesus said about John. Really amazing. Matthew chapter 11, verse 11, earlier in his ministry, before he died and rose, he said this, truly I say to you, among those born of women, there is arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Okay, hold that thought. There's arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Wait, wait. Born of women. David, King David, man after God's heart. He's better than David. Noah, better than Noah. Moses, better than Moses. Elijah, Jeremiah, all the greats in the Old Testament. He's better than all. Born of women, there's no one greater than John the Baptist. However, the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than than he. So since Jesus rose from the dead, the kingdom of God started. It's now but not yet. Anyone in Christ and Christ in you, anyone who said yes to Jesus has been filled with the Holy Spirit, you're greater than John the Baptist. Now does that mean I can speak better than John the Baptist? Probably not. Does that mean I'm more fiery than John the Baptist? I've got a better personality than John the Baptist? Nope, none of that. It means the same power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you, giving you more power, more access, more connection, more privilege than the greatest person ever born of women. That's who you are. Not me as a professional pastor, you and me, all of us. This is the privilege of the gospel. Jesus is saying we have connection and power. He did not. He goes on to say, so when they had come together, they ask him. Now, this is at the end of the 40 days. They're not coming together for the last time. When they had come together, they ask him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But, check this out, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the disciples are just like us. We're just like them. Like, like sometimes we can see them say and do dumb things and think, how dumb are they? But we're dumb like them. They're sitting there and they still don't get it. They've been with him for all these years. They saw him live. They saw him die. They saw him do all these miracles. They saw him rise again. 
And now they've been with him for 40 days as he's teaching them about the kingdom, about the coming Holy Spirit, and they're like, so, Jesus, you've risen, you're teaching us all this kingdom stuff, are you now gonna make Israel great again? Sounds like a slogan we've heard, doesn't it? Are you gonna make Israel great again? Here's what they're saying. We're all tired. We're tired of failing. We're tired of falling down. We're tired of feeling like failures. Are you going to make all the pain that they were living under the thumb of Rome? Are you going to make Rome go away? Are you going to finally make our life and all the struggles of life finally go away so we can experience peace? We're tired. You're going to do it, right? Now, before we bust on them, let me just ask a question. If you're a committed Christian in this room, if you're a committed Christian in this room, I'm going to ask a question. How many of you guys feel tired, feel worn out, feel regularly like you don't want to do it anymore, feel like you, like, like people frustrate you, work frustrates you, bills are tight, you, you, you're tired of struggling, you're tired of like sinning the same old sin over and over again, you get angry, you get frustrated, you worry. If that's you, raise your hand, right? Anyone that didn't raise your hand, you're a liar. <laughs> keep them up, keep your hands up, keep your hands up, right? That's everyone in this room should have your hand raised. If you don't, it's because you just want to reject me. You know, just what, you all know you feel it. Keep your hands up. Keep them up. Keep them up. Keep, come on, come on. Let's see your hands. We all feel it. Now let me ask one more question. Keep your hands up. How many of you guys have frustration with people? People get tired. You have an aunt or an uncle that's crazy. You got a neighbor that frustrates you. You got a, a workmate you want to kill. Raise your hand. Some of you guys went higher. Some of you guys went higher. Right? All right, put them down. We all struggle. Life is hard. We're all sitting around going, man, if, this is supposed to, if we're supposed to make it here on earth as it is in heaven, where's heaven? It gets tiring, right? We all still struggle. Now, right in this moment, Jesus could have said in that moment, you know, you guys are so dumb. I am so tired of dealing with you guys. I'm just going to stay and I'll do it for you because you guys can't figure it out. But he doesn't. He doesn't. Instead, he says two very important things. First, he says it's not time for that yet. I know you want that kingdom to be set up. That where's perfect. There's no more pain, no more fear, no more shame. You want that. But if I do that kingdom now, there's a whole lot of people in the, in the earth that won't have a relationship with me and they'll die and go to hell. And I don't want anyone to die and miss out on connection with me. So, what does he say? It's really important. That time is coming, stay the course, but I'm not gonna stay and do it. You are. I'm gonna leave so that all of you can do it. See, here's the deal. If Jesus doesn't leave, then the whole world can't have a connection. See, spatially speaking, if Jesus stays, he can only be in one place at one time because he was still man. But if he leaves, it's like an, an explosion goes off and the Holy Spirit can go to every inch of the earth, can go in you, in you, in you, in you, and go through you to the world. See, if Jesus stays, then he'd be like the Pope. We're like some amazing person. We might be able to see him from a distance, maybe get lucky enough to have him come to our house for dinner. But we wouldn't have his mind. We wouldn't have his heart. We wouldn't have our, our mind. We wouldn't have our DNA change. We would hear him give talks. It'd be like listening to a podcast of somebody. But it wouldn't be the same. He had to leave so that his power and presence could be multiplied by billions. And you, you, 
you, you, you, you online, you, you're the ones to do it. Not professional pastors. And you know what's really sad to me? So oftentimes, we, we as pastors fail at teaching this because we like to do it. We, we got into the, the full-time ministry because we love Jesus and we love people and we have, like just all the time, just to, we'll do it. But as opposed to saying, no, no, you do it. You get to do it. We, we use a phrase right here that says, everyone gets to play. And we're not using that phrase to be trite. Or, we're saying everyone gets to get in the game. It's the priesthood of all believers. If you're in the workforce, if you're in the you're a pastor. You're, ra- raise your hand if you're a pastor. Everyone should raise your hand. Raise your hand if you're a pastor. Let me do it again. Raise your hand if you're a pastor. Everyone in this room is a pastor. You may not get paid for it, but everyone in this room is a pastor. If you've said yes to Jesus, and, and the first work of ministry we get to do, the first thing we get to do is manifest the fruit of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit's in you, the first thing you get to be and bring is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Because if you have the Holy Spirit in you, you start connecting with him on a regular basis, you begin to hear his voice and live out these attributes, and it changes the world around you. The old statement, old adage, share the gospel at all times, and only when necessary, use words. You want to draw people to Christ? Live a life that is full of those things that people draw. And then, then you share the gospel. Be prepared in season, out of season. Take the love of Jesus and the, the truth of those five things to the world that so desperately needs a relationship with Jesus. Here's the deal. Jesus is the ultimate hero who lived, died, rose again, and sends his spirit into us to set us free. He's the ultimate hero to set us free and make us have the ability to live heroic lives. If you're here today and you're a teacher, you've been called to live a heroic life right where you are, being and bringing the kingdom, having the spirit in you breathe life into those around you. If you're a student, you're called to live a heroic life, being and bringing the kingdom. If you're a stay-at-home parent, if you're a factory worker, if you're a truck driver, if you're a construction worker, if you're an athlete, if you are a, a bus driver, a, a nurse, a doctor, a lawyer, I don't care what you do, you've been called right where you are to live a heroic life in and for the kingdom, with Christ in you, being and bringing the kingdom wherever you are. Come on. Come on. <laughs> Folks, you get to do it. I have people come to me all the time and say, I kind of feel living a listless life. Well, then step into the kingdom and live as you've been called to live. This is your purpose. It's not a mandate. It's your purpose. It's why you're here. It's why I'm here. So Jesus wraps up. He's about to leave. And when he had said all these things, as they were looking on, they're out in a field, he was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. This is the, the ascension. And while they were gazing into heaven, as he went, behold, two men stood behind, be, beside them in white robes and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who is taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. This is the detonator moment in history. He ascended back to the Father so that he could send his spirit down into us, giving us all the power and presence. And I love the question the two 
men, the two angels asked the disciples. You can just see them. They're looking up. What do we do now? The Son of God just left us. I heard everything he said, but I sure wish he was still here. And the two guys kind of sit and look at him like, huh, what are you guys looking at? And they're looking at, who are you guys? Yeah, we're angels. Get out of here. Stop looking up at heaven. Go, do something. Go, get out there. Go. Stop picking your noses. Stop sitting on your hands. You got work to do. You got to go be and bring the kingdom. You got to love people in relationship with Jesus. You got to invite the world into connect wherever you're at, wherever you are. This is your call. This is your privilege. This is your mandate. This is our joy. This is who we get to be. So how do we do this? Two things. How do you experience Jesus on a daily basis? Ask and go and make. Ask Holy Spirit every day to stir. If you're already a Christian, ask him to stir. If you've never put your faith in crisis, you say, Jesus, Holy Spirit, fill me. You admit your sin. You admit your need. You ask. You believe in the resurrection. You ask Holy Spirit to come fill you. Some would say that will you be baptized in the Holy Spirit the moment you say yes to Jesus. And then for those that are already believers, you ask, stir. I, I have a prayer every morning. Stir. Holy Spirit, stir. Stir in this conversation. I mean, just, just wake me up to what you're trying to say. Make me aware to what you're up to. And then secondly, go and make. Don't just come and see. It's time for us to stop being spectators. You got to get in the game. Because if you don't get in the game, you miss out on the game. If you just practice all the time and never play, it's boring. Who wants, to, who wants to be on a team where all you do is practice? Right? I want to just practice. I want to play. You all get to play. Don't, don't leave it to professionals. We're all professionals in the kingdom. We're going we're, we're to look at, and, and we're going to get an Acts in a few weeks here. It says in Acts chapter 4, 13, it said they were uneducated people, uneducated kind of dumb people, but everyone was drawn to them because they had been with Jesus. You connect with Jesus and you're stirred by the Spirit, you'll be so compelling and so. Come on, we gotta see people come to Jesus. I had one of those weeks this week. You guys ever have one of those weeks? Like, right? I just like to retire. I like just like Calgon, take me away. Jesus, bring me home. Or just kill everyone around me. I just want to like a real beat. Like, right? Come on, you all think that. You think that sometimes, right? Come on, praise him, right? You know that. Like, it's not a spiritual thought. Be like, Lord, if you just kill everyone around me, life would be easier, right? But you know, you know those feelings? Like, I, I'm just tiring. I'm tired. I'm, I don't do things well. I fail at things. The Lord, I just was leaning into the Lord. I said, Lord, are you in control or you're not? The Lord just said, stir, stir, stir. All right, God, you got this. And then I was at Lifetime, and a guy that I had conversations with several years ago, we had, sorry, had spiritual conversations. He was not a Christian, we started meeting, started having spiritual conversations, and after a little while, he wanted to know more, and we started talking more, I said, you, you ought to start going to Crossroads Mason, they, they really love Jesus, up there. you live right down the road, and he went there, he got involved, we kept meeting, then he started going to man camp, then he got involved in their mash te teams, just seeing a normal guy, just a working stiff, start getting involved in the kingdom of God, he shows it to me this past week, Matt, I've been praying for people, I've doing, been, been doing prayer evangelism, I've seen 30 guys come to Christ in the last few months. I'm discipling 10. Would you want to do prayer evangelism with me? I'm like, yeah, buddy. That's the work of the kingdom of God. 
You all can do that. Right where you are. Right how you are. Would you stand? We have the privilege today to celebrate 26 people. We did 15 in the first service. 26 people who've said yes to you. Yeah, give around. And we're celebrating 26 people who have said yes to Jesus. They believe creation, incarnation, crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension. And this moment of baptism doesn't save them. It's an outward symbol of an inward change. But they are saying we receive Holy Spirit afresh, stir Holy Spirit, move, breathe, have your way. I'm yours. Baptism says, I belong, I declare in front of everyone out here, I belong to you. I'm an agent of change in this world. If you've never been baptized physically, and you want to, don't let you, that be stopped. We, we got clothes, we got, we got towels, we, we got, the water's warm. It's nearly a jacuzzi, man. It's like, come on, don't, don't, if you're ready to put your, if you, I'm going to give you a chance in a second to pray to receive Christ right now. And if you've, and you're a believer here, you've never been baptized, don't let that stop you either. So would you just close your eyes with me real quick? If you're here today, and you're like, man, I, I want to receive Christ as my Lord and Savior. I believe I'm a sinful person. I need his salvation. I need his rescuing me from my sin. I'm asking, I believe in your resurrection. I'm asking to fill me with the Holy Spirit. Just fill me with the Holy Spirit right now. If that's you, and you want to you prayed that prayer, please come down and see Jenny Sassen. Jenny, raise your hand. Jenny Sassen will help you get all set up. Now, for the rest of you guys, if you're here and you're tired, you're worn up, but you, you've been following, just, just, just do this right now. Hold your hands open and say, Jesus, I want more. Holy Spirit, I want more. Stir. Stir, Holy Spirit. Stir, Holy Spirit. And as we worship, something gets stirred in us. As we watch these baptisms, let something be stirred in you. And as every person goes down into the tank and comes back up, we are celebrating another person that Satan lost. We are celebrating another person whose name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. So, as that happens, no golfers claps. This isn't like, oh, that's so nice, so wonderful. Oh, it's just someone got baptized, got saved. No, no, none of that. They come out of that water, woo! All right? Let's worship. Let's worship. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this message. To subscribe to our podcast or listen to other messages, go to vineyardcincinnati.com slash podcast.